0: At center, as I lifted a stick to free puck to Petrangelo in his own zone. Stretch pass. Michael is in with a cutter. Third man, Martinez scores. Alex Martinez, 3 1 Golden Knights.
1: Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show.
0: Then it looking cross-eyed. Stone intercepts. This time he sends it down in a waffle and go into the goal. It's a hat trick.
2: Mark Stone, the captain, makes it 8-3 Golden Knights with six minutes to go in the third period.
1: From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Ryan Wallace.
2: Sticks down, drop the puck, hour number two, BGK Insider Show. Rolling along here, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman. And though we told you Darren Millard would be back next week. Little bonus Mallard action here. As it was announced yesterday, Nick Holden joins the Vegas Golden Knights after his playing career concluded last season as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights player development staff. He's going to work exclusively with defensemen, more often with defensemen, which makes sense as Nick played defense in the National Hockey League for a very, very long time. But Darren Millard earlier today caught up with Nick Holden, the newest member of the player development staff, and we bring that to you now.
0: Rookie tournament starts in a couple of days, and the Vegas Golden Knights have a, a new part of their organization, old part, hey, Nick Holden, the Congratulations uh, on the role with player development.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it, thank you.
0: You just off playing, so what, What? there's a three month gap there between your playing career and your management career?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was planning on playing up until almost a month ago, so yeah, yeah the, the turnaround's been quick, but uh, just very excited about this opportunity.
0: We'll revisit your, your playing career in a second, but this opportunity, player development, uh, working with young parts of the organization as a defenseman, as a role model. Uh, what uh, what drew you to that?
3: I just think uh, the last probably four four years, five years of my career, uh, there were always younger D-men in the organizations that I was in the last uh, two, uh, Vegas and Ottawa. And, um, I always really enjoyed when those guys would come and you'd kind of not that you're trying to teach them your way, but just teach them good habits and things that would hopefully make them successful. And um, so I had talked to my wife about it the last couple of years as we were still playing, just like if I could pick a raid out of playing job that would keep me in hockey, this would kind of be it. And so uh, when Krim reached out to me, uh, I was pretty ex- excited about the opportunity.
0: Nice to be back in Vegas?
3: We're very excited to be back part of this organization. We uh, we had three great years here, and so just when, uh, again, when Krim called and, and started talking about this, um, our family was very excited about it.
0: So it really does sound like you've been sort of on this path for a while, that you were already doing the job just while you were still playing.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean... In a sense? In a sense. I mean, obviously... As I was playing, I was still making sure I was taking care of my game yeah. and everything like that, but I had built a, a good routine that I felt I could help other guys, especially younger guys, that when you can have a good routine like that or good habits, um, they, not that the game becomes easier, but it's, it's definitely more manageable to handle your ups and downs and, and stuff like that.
0: Do you want to coach?
3: Uh, I have no aspiration of coaching really? yeah I coaching now you gotta you're more involved in a player and for me my kids are all younger and I want to be a big part of their lives uh, so maybe in 20 years when everybody's moved on and they're adults and uh, I got more time on my hands maybe but for now um, this is a great role for me that I can be very involved with my family and they're my priority but still get the opportunity to uh, be involved with a great organization and do something that I think I have a good skill set for. What
0: do you think the young player needs the most in today's game from what you've seen? Um, Like I said it's
3: just uh, it's not just now I think it's always it's just good habits when you can find um, what works for you, and you can bring that consistency, because that's what every player is searching for, and that's what brings longevity to, to somebody. Is is if you can continue to play at, a, at an elite level over and over and over again, and so kind of just help young guys navigate all those types of little nuances and take away some of the things that. Um, might bring them stress Mm -hmm. and and so I think it's that's a big thing for me is is making sure you got a good routine good habit and
0: And you you seem like a guy that was willing to do anything for the team
3: yeah I think that that helped me I think play a few more years was my my willingness to not uh, take anything to heart when say I was getting scratched or Say I was asked to play a li- more limited role or do something forward. forward. Exactly. Yeah. Do something that maybe I wasn't always doing.
0: Uh, you remember the goal, it Was it Philadelphia? <laughs> I scored? don't. Even,
3: I don't even know. I don't remember the goal, but
0: wow, it was amazing. Yeah. But but one of those do anything type moments. Exactly.
3: I, I've always uh, said you don't want to just be a one-dimensional player because if that one dimension shuts down, then you mm-hmm. have no role, and so. If you can adjust and, and be there for whatever your team's needing, uh, I think that will help any player uh, be able
0: to play longer. I'm going to ask this question, but it's not meant as any type of jab, but to reinforce, you were drafted by <laughs> a free agent. Nobody, yeah. It's, and played a decade and a half pro hockey. Yeah. yeah, It was uh,
3: a hell of a story, man. It was pretty, definitely blessed. I was... Uh, my probably 12 to 15 I didn't hockey wasn't really on my radar I just played for fun uh, and then started getting the passion back for it and stuff like that when I was really young I was I played kind of the top teams or whatever and then I lost any interest in it and then came back to it later on and yeah I I was very fortunate to have um, do
0: you remember what got your passion back
3: yeah i think uh, my my friends that i was in junior high kind of hanging out with they all were very passionate about hockey and they all played rep hockey and so i think i got back into it through them and uh, my best friend we got to play uh, midget midget double a midget triple a junior a together and so it was it was fun sharing that experience with him and i think he Oh, my buddy Olin, he, he was a big reason that um, we both pushed each other and um, got us back or got me back really loving the game and I think too it was, uh, I never thought I was good enough to get to the next level but I wanted to try and so it was like I played a midget A and then I got to midget A, and then midget A, and, and then Junior A and then the Western you, you Hockey League. You played midget single A? I did yeah so I was the year they switched all the ages and so I got three years of midget so my first year midget I played midget single a wow and yeah so it just that was the year that I started kind of yeah trying to get back into rep hockey and stuff like that and it just I kept hey let's see if I can get to the next level and I got to the next level and then you just continue to to climb and stalled in the American Hockey League for a little bit, for five years, and uh, for a time thought maybe I'd be going to Europe, uh, and then I was, had the opportunity to go to Colorado, and um, Patrick Bog gave me my opportunity to, to stay in the NHL and didn't look back after that.
0: Who's your first goal against?
3: Uh, Braden Holtby, uh, when I was with Colorado, yeah. Good,
0: good goal? Flapper? Great, great, great goal. took Great, yeah. great goal, yeah.
3: No, it was a, uh, I think it was walked around the net, I was on the left D, sneaking in, kind of the backside, and he came around the net and just popped it out, and I went glove side on Holtby, and I just remember um, the excitement from myself, obviously, scoring your first goal, but my my teammates were pretty excited for me. Uh, there was a guy there, uh, Nate Gannon, me and him kind of made the team out of camp where we maybe should have been in the minors but we stuck around mm-hmm. and and so he, I think he was on the ice with me at the time and it was just like he was just as excited for me as he, it would have been for him scoring a goal so I just remember yeah it was a pretty special
0: moment. Do you have a memorable game? A memorable time? You know what? Uh, <laughs> I've
3: a ton of memorable moments, memorable times. I I remember my first game, your first goal, uh, first fight, I fought, I fought a couple guys and that was it. Like yeah. Miles Wood, it was uh, in New Jersey, I was playing for the Rangers and I hit him into the their like bench turnbuckle thing yeah. and he dropped Whoa. his gloves almost at the blue line and was chasing me down and <laughs> started a melee and all this stuff and so my brother gaming crap afterwards just (laughs) bugging me that I would never been a a big fighter and uh, he was just laughing he's like you should have probably started throwing some punches right away I was like well he was coming in fast whatever so no I, I think I was again I got opportunities to do a lot of cool things I got to play in an outdoor game in the American Hockey League with Syracuse I got to play in three Outdoor games in the NHL uh, so yeah the the playoffs I just the you, you start thinking about it and you got years of awesome memories and and that I think for me those memories are are terrific I had kids young so my kids will have memories of us playing and and then all the relationships that you make over the years uh, is pretty special I think that for me is the biggest takeaway is. I have friends all over the world now that we will have forever.
0: Uh, talk about your wife. Just yeah. she's been there the whole Oh yeah, journey. she,
3: it's, it's funny, the first couple of years she was finishing school um, and so she didn't come with me and then she finished school and she got her teaching degree and then moved to Springfield thinking she might be able to teach down there and she couldn't get a in visa or anything cause she's Canadian and so she was just kind of like, ah, like, whatever. And so we both wanted kids young, and so we started uh, trying to do that. And we had had our first kid in Springfield in the minors, and uh, and then I've just been towing them around all <laughs> over the place. And I, I don't think we would change it for the world. It's been uh, hard at times, obviously picking up a family and moving them all over the place, and getting traded mid-season or getting traded in the summer or whatever and your whole world flips for a little bit but then she's uh, very organized and would keep the ship <laughs> running straight and uh, we'd get to the new place and it made it easy for me to, f- to focus on hockey and um, I think we've made a pretty good team over the years so we're excited for the next part of the journey where we kind of start setting up back home and have that a little bit more of that stability, but still, like it, the involvement with uh, with the
0: Knights is going to be pretty awesome. You'll work with the younger part of the organization uh, a little bit in Henderson, and your former teammate Ryan Craig is the head coach there. Yeah, Marshy's still going uh, with, with the Golden Knights. Played with you also yeah. in the American League. That's kind yeah, of...
3: it's it's funny when you get to a certain point where guys that you played with. That was at close to the end of their career are starting to coach and yeah. and stuff like that and so you have friends in both sides of the game and um yeah i think it's one of those things where you when you play with a guy there's just guys you know will do something with hockey after their career and craig was one of those guys you knew he was gonna coach or some sort of leadership role in an organization and so it's just great to see him get this opportunity here um, after having a, a great, I think it's what, five years, six years as a third assistant or whatever yeah. with the Knights. So I think he was grateful for the opportunity that they gave him and now hes I know he's going to do great down in Henderson. So when
0: Kelly talked to you and you weren't going to play, take you how long did it take you to say yes
3: you know i it was an interesting process the whole summer was interesting because going into last year we thought maybe that was going to be our last year playing if we couldn't stay in ottawa we didn't want to move everybody again just for one year and um by the end of the year my wife and my kids were like no like let's see if we can play again and and so i was i still felt healthy it felt like i could still play and so i said okay so i was training and we were waiting to get to July 1st, uh, Ottawa had said they weren't going to resign me and so we got to July 1st and there was nothing, um, no teams. We had some teams before that kind of talking and so we thought, okay, we might get something and then there was nothing and um, waiting, waiting, nothing, nothing and then, yeah, Krim and, and my agent had kind of talked a little bit and then my agent just said, just give him a call and talk to him about it and so I did that. and. Yeah, it was a uh, an interesting conversation at first. Just my plan was to still if I could play try and if not I yeah, it was an easy yes, but I I wanted to let him know that I was still mm-hmm. looking to play if I could. And then I think a week went by and there was still nothing really going on, and so it was an easy quick call to him and say, "Hey, like let's get It feels right. Yeah, for me, it felt. From the outside, it feels right. Yeah, it felt so. On a a couple different levels, it just felt so. um, I know this is a simple word, but nice. Where Mm -hmm. it was like, I'm going to be ending my playing career and able to step right into uh, uh, opportunity with an NHL organization and an organization that we have such fond memories with and we loved it here. And so um, I think it just, for me going, I was never concerned about retiring, um, about missing playing, but I was a little bit um, worried that I might miss being part of an organization and all that stuff, which I have since I was 18 years old. And so, when this opportunity came, it, it kind of just is like I can step into my f- being there for my kids full time, being there with my wife, and and helping, um, and that being my big focus. But then also getting the opportunity to use the gifts that I've been given with this opportunity. And so, um, yeah, I'm just. Really excited to get things going, and um, it's funny. I don't even know exactly all the role, uh, what comes with it, but it's gonna be. I think a, you do a bit of everything. I think so, yeah. and and for me, I think my value w- will come a lot with the off ice stuff, with because uh, I mean hockey is a is a crazy lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, and so if again like I kind of touched on earlier if you can take away some of your stressors off the ice that helps you be able to play better on the ice and so uh, that's something i i'm hoping i can do with some of the younger guys when they're worried about some things or things aren't going the way they think they should be going or something like that then i can kind of be a a voice of reason and uh, talk with them because i'm sure there's going to be lots of people with the organization that will be judging their game or so and i just want to support them in their journey to because really if we can do that they're going to be better players which is going to help this organization so
0: big brother cool uncle that <laughs> yeah. nobody's talking yeah, about yeah I, like I don't that?
3: i don't want to be the cool uncle i i think it's uh i still want to make sure that there's that um respect yeah right i don't uh, i'm not trying to be cool I'm going to tell them sometimes what I tell them probably isn't what they're going to want to hear, but it's something that will help them and benefit them. And so for me, I think spending five years in the minors was the best thing for me to be able to continue to play for a longer time, just learning some harder lessons down there where guys are getting called up that you feel you're playing better than or guys are getting more opportunity than you think Right, and so yeah. you start to realize, okay, well, I need to just control what I can control, and not worry about the other stuff. And when you do that, then you can really focus on your game and let everything else not affect you. And so, as young players, you overanalyze and you're thinking about everything, and you see a one of your teammates get an opportunity and you don't, and that starts to affect you. And so, I think, yeah, just bring a calming kind of
0: role. Well You and Will Nichols yeah. will be talking to a lot of these kids. Like, There's an aura of positivity around you guys. Yeah. yeah he, I, he is just so good. I sense the same thing.
3: So Will, I mean, uh, we've had just a handful of brief conversations and uh, they've been great where they don't want to overload me with information and this is what you're doing and you're watching all this video and all this stuff so he's been awesome about that but just in speaking with him, it's like the the passion he has for helping these guys succeed. It just shows every time he talks about any of these players, and he just uh, like Whitey and Hager, who he who had you cross paths with. Yes, right? where I was playing with them, yeah. and he had them when they were in Chicago and coming out of junior or out of college, and they were he worked with them and then for them to succeed in the NHL it's just like he's just like a proud dad and and so it's just like you said that positivity that he brings it's like do you think he doesn't tell them things they don't want to hear no he does but he wants them to succeed and that's the main focus of what he's doing and I think that is what has made him so good at his job right now.
0: This is the start of a new chapter. Were you emotional when you finally closed the book on playing? I don't
3: I'm not overly emotional about things. (laughs) Um, I think my wife was more emotional about it. Um, I think was there a day where he said, "Okay"? No, it was funny because it was kind of like the amount of times I changed my deadline.
0: Because I was kind of like, That's what I do. was kind of
3: like, hey, okay, if I don't have anything by this time, okay, we're done. And that time came and I was like, okay, if it doesn't, by next weekend, we're done. <laughs> and that would come and then it was like, I would just keep calling him. I'm like, is there anything? What are you hearing? And he's like, no, there's not really anything going on. And so it was just kind of, there wasn't a, a, a drop dead date that I was going to retire and then, again when this opportunity came and uh there was still nothing really cooking to for the playing side of it i just said i'm like you know what this year was going to be a bonus year if we could play and i was perfectly fine both ways if we could play awesome if we were done i have had a terrific career and i've had a ton of fun (laughs) playing and uh, I wouldn't trade getting traded and playing on all these different teams and all the cities we've lived in and all the people we've met. And it's just amazing. Um, Again, like the friendships we've made when I ended up getting the job here and Kelly started telling some of the front office staff, the amount of texts I was getting like, we're hearing rumors, is it true? Type of like, we're so excited. That kind of stuff is like, I, I just love that it wasn't just about the player, like we made connections with the organizations yeah. and we did that pretty much everywhere we played and so, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not emotional, sorry, back to your I'm not emotional about it, I had so much fun, I've been so blessed and now I get to continue on uh, in a different uh, adventure.
0: Yep in the media or fans will count down okay there's 10 misfits left there's yeah six five now this is cool because now we've got one coming home yeah you kind of it's the first one that's kind of yeah you're the first i I think i think
3: uh like ego lives here and so he's been helping not, not as much on the actual like hockey side he's been doing a lot with the foundation and it's like he never left yeah he was always there and so yeah it's very cool that they see value in bringing alumni back to them um and obviously i'm the first one to do it but uh, i wouldn't be surprised if in future years they start trying to get more guys to come back and be involved because um to start, they usually bring in great, like big quality players and people. Maturity of the organization people. too. We're
0: seven years now. Like we're guys are moving through their their lives.
3: Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think the way that they've been trying to get to the ultimate goal, which they reached last year, mm-hmm. they had to make some hard decisions, getting rid of guys that they loved or that are quality people, great hockey players, but they needed another piece. And to get that other piece, they had to give up a piece. And so it's just like, for me it was cool that I get traded away from here, I go play two more years, and then as soon as I have any thought of maybe being done playing, they're asking me to come back. And, um, and I you just, know how
0: much they want to win. They're not asking you to come back just because you played here.
3: Yeah, they see. Yeah, they, they get, see value in it, there. yeah. Yeah. which is uh, i guess for me a little humbling where it's like okay well they saw they see value in what i bring yeah. and so yeah it's kind of cool that they're they're wanting guys to come back so uh,
0: congratulations It's yeah. just really cool and to see you come back and this weekend get your your hands dirty and your your feet Yeah, back but in. I'm,
3: I'm just I'm very excited cuz obviously don't know exactly what it's all about and so now I'm on the other side and it'll be funny listening to, to guys talk about or even what they talk about yeah. when they're watching and evaluating and stuff like that I'll be sitting up there with them going this is what you guys were saying about it you guys are <laughs> that,
0: chirping that'll right? cross your mind, oh yeah.
3: yeah I'll be like well I used to do that well whoops <laughs> I wish someone would have told me I should not have been doing that <laughs> so.
0: uh congratulations and have fun with it yeah, I appreciate it
4: Carlson left corner, centered, one timer score!
1: It's time for One-Timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padala. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery.
2: One-timers brought to you by Paul Padala. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. And first up, I want to let you know that Fox Sports is the station of champions and the Las Vegas Aces are set to start their title defense tonight, right here. On Fox Sports Las Vegas. That's right. Tune in at 6.30 p.m. So about a half hour after we get off the air, the Las Vegas Aces will take on the Chicago Sky in game one of their first round series. The Aces need eight wins to repeat as champions in WNBA. Fox Sports Station of Champions.
4: That'd be really cool if they repeated. Like, to think that they would win the championship, mm-hmm. Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. and then the Aces win the championship. Yeah. Again,
2: well, the Golden Knights have won a National Hockey League championship in every season after the Aces have won a WNBA championship.
4: Yeah, I know. I'm not
2: saying I'm not saying it's a trend. No but pressure. No yeah. pressure.
4: But again, and the Raiders are one and zero, so we're doing we're doing pretty good here. And I think the Aviators are in first place.
2: I mean, Las Vegas is the best sports city in the world. Truly, be close. And then F1 coming. You've got the Super Bowl. You've got F1. You've got like it's going to be. A wild 2024.
4: Like, it's really cool because if you look at the Raiders' schedule, mm-hmm. they play some really, really cool teams. Like, they they open up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which mm-hmm. always bring a ton of fans to wherever they're playing. Then they have Green Bay. They play the New York Jets and Giants mm-hmm. and the, the Vikings, Lindsey Brown's team. Mm-hmm. A lot of really good games for the Raiders at home this year.
2: Have you processed the Aaron Rodgers stuff?
4: You know what's funny I expected something bad to happen. Sure. It's just the nature of being a Jets fan. Like, we are the most pessimistic fan base. Right. Like, I was cautiously optimistic going into the season. I'm like, and then I watched Hard Knocks, Mm -hmm. and I was so excited. Hmm. I was like, like, the idea of him getting hurt was completely out of my mind. Like, I watched that last episode of Hard Knocks, and I wanted to be in the huddle with those guys. Like, after every episode, like, Ralph Macchio came out. Diehard New York Jets fan, okay. method man. I'm like, this is the year. It's yeah. finally going to happen.
2: How'd that work out for you?
4: I didn't even get one completion. Yeah, Not one completion. To be, to be honest, like you were here. Yes. I don't even think you saw him play at all. No. Well, Steve Cofield is also a New York Jets fan. Yeah. And he was driving home.
2: And he <laughs> did, he said,
4: I didn't even get to see one play. Not one play. At least I saw him run out the tunnel. Yeah. I saw him get sacked. Yeah. And then I saw him not get up. It's rough. I mean, there's, there, 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 that's the thing with sports. Like, I look at the city of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. The Bills in the 90s, maybe the most tortured fan base on the planet. And then you have the way the Sabres lose their trip to the Stanley Cup final. Like, Come on. like it's torture.
2: Let's be honest. Here.
4: It's torture. The Utah Jazz, right? You're the only team in town. You go to back-to-back finals yeah. with two generational players and both times run into Michael Jordan. Terrific. It's not fair sometimes.
2: Yeah, sucks.
4: My Especially condolences. At- I'm really sorry. Yeah, well, try being a fan of the Mets and the Jets. Not, not a lot of celebratory moments in my lifetime.
2: I've had some miserable years as a fan. Of sports, yeah, but nothing, nothing like what you've had to endure. Like,
4: I don't have an NBA team because my NBA team moved. Okay, they moved out of the state, so I'm no longer a Nets fan. But I grew up a New Jersey Nets fan, eternally crappy team. Mm-hmm. The only teams in my entire lifetime that have given me any pleasure are the New Jersey Devils. Okay, three Stanley Cups.
2: <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't a nice watch either.
4: No, they weren't fun to watch. Like, they were not. They were they, not the they, they won. They were not the twenty twenty three Golden Knights who were fun to watch. But
2: it's not like a win you can feel good about.
4: Oh, I, I listen. I don't care how they won. They won them, but they swept the Detroit Red Wings one year, which was incredible.
2: Oh, yeah, that's but, true.
4: And then Liverpool. That's it.
2: Got to go across the pond. I got to yeah. go across the pond. That's unfortunate. And, if,
4: and you, the funny thing is, if my grandfather wasn't from Liverpool, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be a Liverpool fan. I don't know who I'd root for, but I probably wouldn't be a Liverpool fan.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. It's one a bit longer than I expected it to.
4: Well, you go down the rabbit hole, the New York Jets, and the misery that
2: goes with it. Speaking <laughs> speaking of misery. Um, misery loves company. I don't know that there was anybody more miserable in games four and five of the Stanley Cup final than Matthew Kachuk. Oh, yeah. As we all know. Keegan Kolasar laid a hit on Matthew Kachuk in game number three of the Stanley Cup final. That hit resulted in a broken sternum oh. for Matthew Kachuk. Amazingly, Matthew not only played in game four, but scored a goal, yeah. right? And the story's coming out of, you know, at the end of the season, all that stuff comes out, right? And I don't know if you remember the story, but Matthew Kachuk needed Brady Kachuk. To dress him who dressed him for the game. I don't, like, I mean, Matthew was in so much pain that he literally could not put his jersey on. That's how much pain he was in for game four, and yet scored a goal and almost sent it to overtime. Like, that's that's why.
4: Have right? you ever in your life had anything happen to you where you were in so much pain that you couldn't get dressed?
0: Um,
2: I, okay, like, I'm not equating this with what Matthew Kachuk went through, but I got hurt over the summer. Like, I threw my back out. Oh. But it was a situation where it, it was like it was an acute injury that happened while I was doing something. And I felt a pop in my back and, like, shot up my entire spine. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. I've, I've felt injuries before, but this is not good. And I started walking around. I was like, okay, I can still walk around. I, I literally could not bend over for about a week. It was oh. wild. It, if you would have seen the amount of time and energy it took me to stand up and sit down you would have laughed at me all all summer long it was rough it was rough but all that being said i know how miserable that was for me and it was a pretty minor injury um i can't imagine what it was like for matthew to suit up and play in game four ultimately missed out on game five but the good news for florida panthers fans kind of talked about sasha barkov Last week saying that, you know what, that trip to the final made them a stronger team. There will be injuries that they've got to work through at the beginning of the year. But it looks like Matthew Kachuk is all healed up and ready to go. He said earlier this week at the uh, the player tour that he is healthy. And I don't expect there to be any roadblocks for him getting into the lineup early on in the season. So it looks like Matthew Kachuk fully healthy, healed from that broken sternum in the Stanley Cup final.
4: That's really good news for Florida. It's not good news for Ottawa, but because they're going to be fighting oh, for, for a playoff spot. But
2: I mean, I th- who knows? I, like Ottawa might surprise us here. I it think might... it's
4: look for Florida. I think the the most important thing is having as much come back as you possibly could have. Because mm-hmm. I know you yeah. lost the final, yeah. But the ride that that team went on from being down three to one of the Boston Bruins to making the Stanley Cup final. Like, to be able to come together as a team Mm -hmm. and make that run, I think Sasha Barkov is right. It's going to make that team stronger. And if you're a Panthers fan, you hope it makes them hungrier Mm -hmm. because nobody wants to go to the final and lose.
2: What I think it does is it validates the way Paul Maurice wanted them to play. Right? Because all year long, it was a a give and take, a back and forth where (laughs) – You know, the Florida Panthers were the fun, run-and-gun team from a year prior that won the President's Trophy and scored 75,000 goals, (laughs) (laughs) but they couldn't keep the puck out of their own net. you taking notes, Edmonton? No? Okay, good. Um, (laughs) But Paul Maurice gets there, and over the course of the entire season, the reason that it it, it came together all at, at the end is because, one, they got healthy, but two... The lessons finally sank in. Yeah. Okay, you've got to take care of your own zone. And it all fell apart in the final largely due to injury. It all fell apart in the final largely because the Golden Knights are just a better hockey team top to bottom than the Florida Panthers. But the fact that they finally bought in, and when they did, they beat the Boston Bruins. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. They swept the Carolina – wait, I'm sorry. Not according to Rod Brindamore. They beat the Carolina Hurricanes in four games, but it was not a sweep. And then they lost to Vegas.
4: I mean, it's 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 positive because that's what I think people maybe expected the year they won the President's Trophy. Yeah, yeah. But to be able to come back as the eighth seed and make that run, clearly that that team has a lot of talented hockey players.
2: Because I, still, you, I still feel like they're a playoff bubble team, but we'll see. But, but the thing is, the talent is there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's no excuse. There shouldn't be. Not with Matthew Kachuk.
4: No. And and He's look, game Sasha Barkov is, is is an elite two-way forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a that's a that's a really good team. And if you get what you got out of Bobrovsky in the
2: playoffs, that's a team that should win a lot of hockey games. I agree. There are some teams out there without a captain. You look at Boston Bruins. There are That's going to it's going to be Marshand, right? We'll we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. Okay. Cuz I think it's Marchand. He says he's not thinking about it. I call... I'm lies. calling his bluff on yeah, that. Yeah, I call his bluff on that one for sure. But Seth Jones wants to be the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. He says it would be special to be named the next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. I guess the question that I have for you is, is Seth Jones the only option? Like, is he the most logical option to succeed... Jonathan takes.
4: Well, it's not. I mean, at, at this point, why not just make it counter Bedard? Well, <laughs> become, you can't. Yeah, you, I I you know can't. that, but then
2: then you go without a captain for a couple of years.
4: Yeah, right? I I don't know if Seth Jones is the guy. Um, he's got the big contract, but I don't really know if he's lived up to it. I mean, he's a good player, but I <laughs> I, I don't know. Like like I have to look at their roster from top to bottom and and, and see, but they don't have a lot of great players. Um, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that your captain has to be a great player.
2: This is fun watching you try to figure out what you want to say here. Well, they have
4: Taylor Hall.
2: He Cor- just got there. You're not going to make Yeah, it. You're, you're not, not going to make, make Corey
4: Perry the captain either.
2: I don't know about that. Didn't he just know get about there that. too? Yeah, but that's different. That's a different scenario to me. Like, you're talking about Corey Perry, a guy who's been around forever, a guy that doesn't take any guff on the ice, like – He's a rat, and we all know it, and we say it in the in, – sorry, worm, and we all say it in, in a very endearing way. But, like, if you want a, a stopgap, right, if you want a guy that's just kind of there to be the leader and, and kind of show Conor Bedard how to do things and how to go about his business, I think Corey Perry makes a lot of sense. Again, if you want it to be Conor Bedard, if at you know, three years down the road, whatever it is, and there's precedent there – because they named Jonathan Taves captain as the youngest captain in NHL history at the time, like 19 years old, we're we're, we're going on precedent there. Like I could see Corey Perry wearing a C. I could see that being the way that you go. But, you know, the fact of the matter is if you don't go that direction, it's got to be Seth Jones and you've got your captain for the next seven years. And at that point in time, Connor Bedard, mid twenties, when you do it,
4: would you make it Nick Foligno?
2: he's been a captain before like it kind of makes sense I, again it, i guess it all kind of boils down to like how much added pressure you want to put on Connor bedard at this point like is one year enough or does he need two seasons in the national hockey league before you put the C on?
4: well the problem is if you make it seth jones it's gonna and, be a while and you want it to be Connor bedard it's, i mean unless you strip seth jones of being the captain in a year or two i mean you could trade him yeah, like well, I don't know who's taking the who contract. wants that contract. I don't
2: know who's taking the contract, but you could trade him, I guess.
4: Yeah, I I think I think I go without a captain if I'm the Blackhawks, or I go stopgap. Corey Perry. Corey, Corey Perry. Yeah, you know what? I, I I could be sold on that. I know I initially said no, but I could be sold on Corey Perry.
2: I'll take Corey Perry. I I if I'm going
4: stopgap, it's going to be Corey Perry.
2: I don't think they're going stopgap. No, I think I think they're going Seth Jones. I think
4: they're going to make that decision, and then they'll deal with whatever they have to deal with down the road. Yeah.
2: That'll be interesting. Who
4: do you put the A's on? Do you put an A on Foligno and, and Perry?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, I, listen, it's it's taken me a long time to get here. I love Corey Perry. He's awesome. He's
4: a he's a he's a he's a he's a fun guy to
2: watch. Like, there's so many. Amazing memories, good and bad. I,
4: I will still love the slap shot on the breakaway.
2: Slap shot on the breakaway, the uh the ejection <laughs> in the in the outdoor game in Dallas. Yeah, which caused him
4: to miss it's like his... Aaron, it's like
2: Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, it's not no in, no in a sim in a way, in a way, <laughs> it was very brief. Those big moments for those two players. Those are your one-timers for today, Wednesday, September 13th. Catching up with Chapman is next. <laughs>
1: When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman.
4: All right, Ryan. You know, it's always weird when I do this segment on a show where I've been a, you know, key contributor, you know, been the number two guy. So I always struggle to come up with topics when I'm doing Keeping Up with Chapman, when it's just you and me or me and Darren. But I mentioned that I got a puppy. You did. We, We got a golden doodle. And... It was weird because I—it I, was the type of dog where I never would have expected to get a golden doodle. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to get a Rhodesian Ridgeback.
2: I don't even know what that is.
4: It's—it's it's a dog that used to hunt lions. Oh okay. But I live in a smaller apartment, Pretty so rugged then. Yeah, short, really short hair. They're bred in Africa. Huh. That's where they originated from. But we ended up with a golden doodle. I was was not anticipating ever having a golden doodle, but. I will say that it's the coolest dog. Like, he looks like a little bear. Mm-hmm. And we named him Kojiro, which um, not everyone follows me on Twitter. Not everyone has Twitter. I mentioned that. X, you mean? Whatever it is. It's I'll, I'll gonna, forever call it Twitter. It's going to take a minute. I it's going to take forever. Yeah. But Kojiro was a Japanese samurai, really big folk hero in, in Japanese mm-hmm. you know, samurai history. Yeah. But I wanted to name him Kojira because i i i just think that gojira godzilla is is a cool name especially for a dog yeah the thing is we 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 end, we settled on gojiro but he is absolutely 100% gojira like he is absolutely wild out of control like at night especially at night mm. he comes in from his walk he doesn't want to go to bed yeah. he's out of control flying all over the place we have another dog who who's uh going to be 11 in january and he terrorizes her. Oh, it's boy. it's funny. But she's a good sport. She's a really good sport. Very patient with him. Yeah. But Gojira, I thought, would have been a great name. My sure. wife put the X on that, though. And okay. A happy wife, happy life. Yes. So, But the funny thing is, my wife was not a dog person until mm. we met. Oh, really? Now she holds him, picks him up, hugs him, kisses him. It's hysterical. <laughs> Even the way she is with my senior. Mm. She's like turned into such a dog person
2: i love dogs oh they're great dogs are awesome zoomies are the best when when dogs get the zoomies yeah it's like the greatest thing ever (laughs) because i can communicate with my dog yeah when she's got the zoomies she and i talk (laughs) good stuff We connect on a deeper level yeah hey
4: you got to connect with someone right
2: fun show today we're back at it tomorrow right here on fox sports